Well, the word comes to us this morning from John chapter one. I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. Hear God's word. John chapter one, verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, we come now in verse 14 to the climax of John's prologue of his gospel. Uh, If you've been with us in this Advent season, you will know when the, the Apostle John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When he uses word, he's talking about God. He's talking about God, the second person of the Trinity. He's talking about Jesus, who we learned created everything. And so this Christmas time, we celebrate this, that God has put on humanity God became flesh. He took on a full and genuine human nature. Now, he didn't just seem to be human. He didn't just appear to be human. He became flesh. One person, two natures, divine and human, fully God and fully man. Now, for the early church, this would have been maybe alarming, maybe a little bit strange, because at that time, the gods, they they say, would visit mankind, and they would appear. They would have seemed to be human, but of course, it would be ridiculous for the gods to want to be human, right? And also, at that time, they had this notion that the flesh, the body, the physical and material world was something that was evil, And the evil is opposed to the spiritual and the divine. And so at Christmas time, when we say that God became flesh, we are rejecting those notions that God came and he just seemed to be human, or that the flesh is something evil. No, we are proclaiming that God became flesh. He came down to earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt, eskenosin, the root is skene in the Greek, literally means tabernacle or tent. And if you're a student of the Bible, it may ring some bells in your head from the Old Testament, from the Exodus, that there was a tabernacle, a tent actually, and what did it represent? It represented God, the presence of God on earth. And we have now with the incarnation what that tabernacle was pointing to. Physically now, God is on earth in Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He dwelt, he camped, he pitched his tent among us. And you may ask yourself this question, why? Why would God come and camp among us? Well, I'm going to ask this question of you tonight. Raise your hand if you've ever camped before. How many? 
a lot. Now keep your hands up, keep them up, be, be proud. If you've ever tent camped, keep your hand up. If you've glamped, you know, you can put your hand down, put your hand down. Still a lot of people, all right, you can put your hands down. Camping, yeah. God came and camped with us. As I was thinking about camping, I ran across some interesting, funny quotes. Listen to this. It's going to give you a sense of camping. Camping is the only vacation where you work harder preparing meals and caring for your living space than you do in your own home. That's the joy of camping. How about this one? Camping is great when you're craving a horrible night's sleep, and I can surely... As a, as a light sleeper, I can surely resonate with that one. And this last quote is the greatest because it comes from my wife. And I'm paraphrasing heavily, but I've heard her say this so many times. She says this, you're not really camping unless something bad happens to you, right? So why are we still camping, honey? <laughs> we have so many camping stories uh, that I could tell you about. There was this time when, as a family, we camped at Sebastian Inlet State Park over there on the coast. Uh, all six of us in one tent, uh, the kids were little. Uh, we went down and we're trying to sleep uh, and we were starting to get bitten. Uh, so we thought, well, there's something going on here and our kids were complaining, so we turned on the lantern and we looked around the top of our tent and what did we see? Hundreds and hundreds of mosquitoes who were feasting on us. <laughs> So what did we do? We decided to kill those mosquitoes, right? And if you're a Floridian, you know what happens when you kill a mosquito that's been engorging on you, right? Well, you can imagine the inside of our tent was splattered not only with mosquitoes that were dead, but with our blood everywhere. <laughs> that's the joy. That's the trial and tribulation of camping. Then there was a time we went and decided it would be a great idea to go camping with our small group. This was when we lived in Texas. We had two, uh, two of our kids at that time, Josh and Allie. They were young, uh, three and below, uh, which I don't recommend uh, you young families doing that. Wait till they get out of the diapers. Uh, but we went and drove several hours into the hill country in Texas, set up camp. We're having a great time. Put our kids down. You know, it's time for them to go to sleep. Put them down. And what happened for the next hour after hour? Well, they were just crying inconsolably. I think one of them was cutting a tooth. And it got so bad that I think at like a, a, a one o'clock in the morning, you know, as parents, we just threw in the towel. We, we gave up. And our, our small group, God bless them, they got up, they helped us pack our car. We packed it all up, drove all the way home, got home at 6 a.m. in the morning, finally, for a good night's rest. That's camping or not camping, whatever you want to call that. But that's the trial and tribulation of camping. Now, if, if you raised your hand, I think you probably know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Right? You can understand and you share in that experience. But if you haven't camped, you probably don't really know what I'm talking about. Well, when we come to the scripture where we see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we have here a God who has camped with us who has experienced the trials and the tribulations that we have gone through. He understands us. He's shared in our experience. We have a God who has felt joy and anger and grief and anguish, stress and anxiety. 
We have a God in the incarnation who knows better than anyone else the depth of suffering that is called the human experience. The writer to the Hebrew says it this way in chapter 2. He says, therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest. Jesus had to be made like us so he could become a faithful and merciful high priest. Now, if you're here today, you've heard, we've all heard of that word priest, but we may not be familiar with the role of the priest. The priest's role was to represent the people to God. He would plead. He would plead and minister on their behalf. He would intercede on their behalf. Whereas the prophet in scripture, his role was to represent God to the people. The priest is on the side of the people representing the people to God. And I can't think of a better representative for us than someone who knows what it's like to live here on earth to know the human experience. And because he has shared our experience, we not only have this great representative, it says in the scripture that he's merciful. He's merciful. He understands. He's sympathetic to what we're going through. Now, this is one of the things that separates Christianity from all the other religions of the world. Is there another religion in the world that can claim that they have a God like this? A God who came down and became one of us to share in our experience. There isn't. You know, at Christmas time, I think we can often forget how this can be such a painful time for so many people. You may be here tonight, and you may be missing your loved one. Your loved one should be next to you celebrating Christmas and your grieving. You may be here tonight, and you're suffering emotional pain and turmoil. Maybe you're suffering emotional abuse. Or you've got family members that are struggling terribly with an illness. Maybe you've left a broken relationship or you're still in one. Well, the Christmas story, it tells us of a story of a God who has entered into our world, who has walked in our shoes. He is the God who knows grief. He's the God who knows what it's like to lose a loved one. And when we talk about physical and emotional abuse, Jesus knows all about that pain. He knows what it's like to be betrayed and abandoned by those that are closest to him. He knows like no one else on planet Earth what it means to be lonely. And he's a God who has tasted the darkness of death for us. And the good news that we celebrate at Christmas time is that we have a God who has not only walked in our shoes, he has the power to help us. He has the power to help us. And more than that, he is with us. We call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So the God that we worship this evening is the God who came down and he pitched his tent right in the middle, right in the middle of the camp of our suffering. And so that's 
who we celebrate tonight. We celebrate the God who left heaven's throne, a throne of endless glory, and he came down, what, to a cradle in the dirt. We celebrate tonight love's pure light entering the darkness of our world. And so as we close this message tonight, I want us to consider one other darkness that you may be feeling tonight. And this is the darkness of falling short of what God requires, his standard. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that before. But you may have a standard for yourself or for other people, right? And I think we all look at other people and we think, well, our standard for them, a lot of people just don't meet our standard, right? They fail us over and over again. And if we're honest, when we think about ourselves, we, we don't even meet our own standards. But I want us to bring us back to God's standard. And I want to simply say it this way. I want to summarize God's standard in a very simple way. What does he require of us? Nothing short of Loving him with a pure love. Loving our family, loving our friends, loving our neighbors, loving our coworkers, loving even our enemies with a pure love. And there's not a single one of us here this evening who would feel comfortable saying we fully meet this standard. And so we can't forget the reason we celebrate tonight, the reason we find God himself born in a manger, baby Jesus lying in a cradle. God himself was born so that he could die. Because you see the eternal and everlasting, the mighty God, he cannot die, but God being born as a human, he can die. And that's what Jesus did. He grew up his entire life, living the perfect life so that he could die for us, so that our sins could be forgiven. You may be here this evening and you've never heard that part of the Christmas story. And we want you to know that this is a vital, a vital part of the Christmas story. You know, I started the service with a reading from John chapter 8 where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I want to say to you, if you are here this morning, you've yet to receive Christ, you can have the light of life. And how is that? Jesus says, whoever meaning it's open to everyone, whoever follows me. How do you have the light of life? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus in faith. And if you do, you will have the light of life and never again will you walk in darkness. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Almighty God, what wondrous love is this that you would stoop down to us, that you would humble yourself and put on human flesh.
Father, we're thankful that we have such a God who is not far off from us, but one who understands our weakness and one who understands how hard it is to live in this world. And you experienced all of this because of your great love for us so that we would not only have to live life alone but apart and apart from you, but that we can live with you forever and have our sins forgiven. And so, Lord, we pray that you would comfort us this night. Those who are struggling, that you would strengthen our faith. And finally, Father, we pray that you would give new life and light tonight to those who are here who have not yet received and followed your Son. We celebrate tonight the Word becoming flesh for us, God in a manger. And we pray in his mighty name. Amen.